I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Cooling. So it is here, it is finally here, everybody. It is officially draft week. Um, I know we've been feels like we've been talking about this uh, for a couple of months. So very excited, it's finally here, and uh, absolutely delighted to be joined by yet again another fantastic guest. Uh, one third of the fantasy wildcard. Uh, joining me is Kev White. How are you doing, Kev? The best third of the fantasy wildcard. Yeah, I'm doing really good. Thanks, Rich. Um, good evening to yourself and the audience. Uh, it's draft week, isn't it? So just really pumped about being on the pod and also uh, the draft as well. And you got you got big hopes. You got big plans for the Eagles coming up. Oh, I find it hard talking about them. To be honest, I think Harry Roseman's a bit of a disgrace, and he's traded down. I wish he have just stayed at six. He might might end ended up with Justin Fields there, but. Um, we just have to see how it pans out. I'm, I'm not too hopeful. I, I kind of hope we tank, actually. So um, <laughs> as long as we can get some assets that are usable in the long term, I guess, is the main thing. Yeah, I'm fully expecting them to draft another receiver in the first two rounds and, uh, and dash hopes of, uh, of many fancy a team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt we'll take Devontae Smith to try and be the uh, smartest team in the league. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, today what we're going to do is... Um, I'm basically going to fire some questions, sort of a semi-mailbag, I guess is probably the way to describe it. Um, so this is essentially a series of questions for posed to Kev um, around the upcoming rookie draft and, and perhaps questions around some of the players and such. So we will start at the top. So first of all, I mean, we're talked about as it feels like the 101 for about three years, the you know generational quarterback, the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or, or John Elway or Johnny Unitas, depending on who you listen to. Um, <laughs> is, is Trevor Lawrence your 101 in, in all formats? Yeah, I think he's got to be. I think if we know exactly where Justin Fields are going to go, I think it'd be pretty close um, pre-draft to see who is actually the QB one. I think fantasy-wise, they're a lot closer than... Um, than the, com- the community suggests. But I think just because you've got a certainty in where Trevor Lawrence is going and the fact that someone like Fields could end up in Atlanta sitting for a year, 
I think it's got to be Trevor Lawrence. Anybody that's not got Trevor Lawrence as the QB1 pre-draft, uh, being a little bit too contrarian for my liking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, and a lot's been talked about, you know, Urban Meyer as a human being, shall we say. He's not exactly, uh, you know, squeaky clean. He's got some question marks. But I think in terms of him as an offensive mind, a lot of people forget him that actually, you know, you go back to the Alex Smith days, was it, I want to say Utah, um, yeah. it, he's he's an incredible offensive mind that's come up with some you know some fantastic new ideas and, and kind of revolutionised the game at college, and he could potentially you know bring a, an exciting new offense to, to the NFL. So yeah, I'm I'm certainly got extremely high hopes of of Trevor Lawrence. So the first question then, Kev. So how many players right now would you take over 101 in a superflex format? Yeah, so the, the short answer for me is nine. Um, logically speaking, we know uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the consensus 101. Um, he's currently going as the eighth player in Dynasty startups at DLF ADP, so my ranking of 10 isn't too far off. Um, he's actually my QB8 overall. I've got seven QBs ahead of him, um, which means I might actually be too low on, on Trevor. Um, but I do think it's a coin flip between guys like him, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, maybe even Russell Wilson, depending on. Um, so uh, if you want that stability, I guess, someone that's proven it in the past. But I tend to be on the cautious side in the early rounds of dynasty startups. So um, I've got him QB8. He could be as high as QB5. Um, I'd also take my two elite team running backs, Heather Lawrence, with that being Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, just to answer the question again, uh, nine players in total over the 101. Um, and I know you said to me last week that you weren't, Murph had a disagreement on this question. What were your guys' views on this? <laughs> yeah, so Murph and I had a, an offline chat, and I think his was sort of, I think it was sort of 20 or 30 players that he'd take over Trevor Lawrence. I think he his approach was that, you know, he, he was very cautious. We've not seen Trevor Lawrence in the NFL, and and he wouldn't want to basically, as you said, take him at the beginning of a startup and essentially tie your hopes to a, a rookie QB. And I think that, I do get the idea that people, you know, you're saying, yes, you're pretty much drafting him at his ceiling, aren't you, if you're drafting him yeah. in that middle of the first. But I I recently did a, a startup and I had the 108 and I took Saquon um, over Trevor Lawrence or over the 101. And, and to be honest, I kind of regretted yeah. it as soon as I did it. Um, right. So I, I've, I've got him as my seventh ranked player overall at the moment. Um I just think that there's a real drop-off for me after the top five QBs now. Um, and that's Mahomes, Dak, Kyler, Josh Allen and Lamar. Obviously, Watson was in that, but plenty of question marks around that. So I'd now put him in the same tier as Justin Herbert. And I think that for me, I'm, I'm always going to link quarterback over running back in a, in a startup. So, yeah, so as I said, it seems slightly ridiculous. It feels deja vu because I know obviously last year we were talking about CEH and Jonathan Taylor as potential first round start picks. Yeah. Obviously, one of them seems to have worked out all right and the other one hasn't. But, um, but yeah, call me naive to to be jumping on the rookie bandwagon yet again. I think as well, if you take him running back in round one, let's say you take McCaffrey at pick four or five, with the way in startups that the QB runs are happening. You might end up with your QB one as Baker Mayfield in, at the end of round two, which <laughs> it's not ideal. But this is exactly it: is that I went. So I'm trying to think now. I went Saquon, came back and got Devontae Adams in the second because again I missed out on that sort of second tier of quarterbacks. Yeah. I then waited another couple of rounds, um, and then I just smashed the position. So I ended up with Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield. Um. Oh, and I've got the rookie 103 as well. So yeah. it's it's not awful, but um, yeah, not certainly not how I'd like to start. Absolutely. So I guess the other perhaps most talked about name in fantasy circles is Cole Pitts. Um, I know I've, he- I've heard some hot takes about Cole Pitts. I've heard someone suggest that he should be the Dynasty Titan 1 from, from week one this year, which wow. is a little bit hot from me. But where would you be comfortable taking him in a, a, a kind of a rookie draft. So again, with sort of thinking Superflex format. Yeah, I think first of all, you're absolutely right. The Pitts hype is pretty crazy right now. Um, 
seen several respect analysts call for him to be considered as high as the, the 102, the 103 in Superflex, which I think is a terrible process. But um, I'm, I'm lower, actually. I'm rookie 109. Um, don't get me wrong, I think he's an amazing prospect, but you're, if you're taking him at the, the 102, the 103, you, you take him at his absolute ceiling there. You're not factoring in any chance that it could be a bust of likelihood that he's not a, a top asset in year one, which we know tight ends are a position which takes a while to get um, acclimatised to in the NFL. Um, I'll be taking the five rookie QBs, the two consensus running backs and Jamar Chase before Pitts. Um, I think you've got to approach rookie drafts to draft for talent and trade for need, um, which means that even if, you're, even if you're in a deep rebuild, you take a running back over Pitts um, or, or you trade the pick away. And then I think the flip side is, as a contender, you can take Pitts at the 109. However, he won't massively help you in year one, I don't think. I think if, if you're tight and needy and you've got the 109, I'd be more willing to look at putting together some sort of a deal to get a Kelsey, a Kittle or a Waller, which in reality it means that um, I'll get little to none of Pitts in rookie drafts. Um, he goes to I for where I'm comfortable in a rebuild. And I do prefer that veteran uh, towards the end of round one if I'm contending. Yeah, I, I have to say I count myself extremely lucky that I'm in three Devi leagues and I've got pits in two of them. So, uh, so I've I've already got a, a decent amount of shares come uh, come May. Um, I obviously did a, a fairly detailed thread about sort of Paul Pitts and his potential value in, in sort of rookie drafts, and I think for me it's a, it's about a sort of a floor and a ceiling play, and I think that. You know, if we were to just look at projected hit rates of rookie tight ends having a top five season at some point in their career, it's about 50%, which is a similar hit rate for a, you know, a wide receiver or a running back having a, a sort of a top 24 season. So I think that the floor play is there to take pits probably around that sort of 105, 106. But I do think that you're really capping your ceiling unless he's going to go on and be a you know, a top five performer at the position four, five, six years, like someone like Travis Kelsey on the ridiculous run he's on, you're really cap- capping the potential value you could get yeah. out of that pick. And I think that whilst it might be a safer pick, you know, we've seen the hit rates of highly drafted tight ends be more successful than than the likes of running back and wide receiver. You know, if, if a running back does hit or if a wide receiver does hit, the, the potential value is, you know, two, three times what Kyle Pitts could ever potentially be worth. Definitely. So I think that depending on kind of my roster makeup where I'm at, I'm probably similar to you. I'm around that 107 to 110 range um, in that I'd, I'd take the four quarterbacks, um, the two running backs and chase ahead of, of Pitts, certainly. Um, but yeah, it's it's just I guess really what your appetite to risk is. I think that he'll probably be quite a safe pick, but I'm certainly not touching him at the the one hundred two, one hundred three, and I'm not taking him ahead of a quarterback. You've got to think at one hundred three as well. You you what you very certain to be getting Travis Kelsey straight up for that? I think. Yeah. In some circumstances. Yeah, yeah, it's very fair. I think that's it, isn't it? Is the, the way you're looking at it. You know, a quarterback, even if a quarterback comes out and doesn't produce well in their rookie year, maybe even in their second year, you can probably still trade them. Okay, let's let's give Sam Darnold an example. Sam Darnold at the moment is probably still fetching a first in most leagues. Yeah. And he's been pretty abysmal for three years. Whereas if Cole Pitts comes out and is abysmal for three years, I'm not sure three years down the line he's fetching a first. Yeah, you're right. I think as well, if you just go back to startups as well, look where Kelsey goes and look where like the QB 9 or 10 goes, like a, a Fields or Lance sort of range. It, it goes rounds before Kelsey. So um, that's it. That's in a best case scenario as well. I think we've got Fields and Lance, maybe QB 10 or maybe a little bit low for Lance, but just Fields, QB 10. That's going miles before uh, Kelsey. And that's that's probably a neutral value on fields it could potentially be even higher yeah absolutely and so talking about kind of usable pieces if we're looking at this rookie draft as a a kind of a distinction um in terms of usable players that are going to be usable in year one and potential stashes 
where do you draw that line? Where do you think that the the kind of end of those usable players is? And I, I, the reason I'm posing this question is I think it's a really interesting way to think about your rookie drafts because I think that people will sit there with the you know the 201 or the 203 and think, oh right, that's a guy that I'm going to draft and I'm going to be starting in week one. But actually, if you start to think about this is a guy I'm picking for year two or year three it starts to kind of shape your rookie draft and, and how you're valuing those picks. Yeah, this is a great question, this, Rich. Um, it got me, got me thinking, actually. So um, I think it's a really tri- tricky one to answer. Some of the high picks, uh, we won't see usable impact players in year one. Guys like Trey Lance and probably Kyle Pitts as well. I see them more of a, a, a rookie stash. Um, overall, I've got 11 players I believe can be immediate contributors and usable in year one. Um, so these are the four QBs, not including Lance, um, the top three running backs, and also four wide receivers, Chase, Smith, Marshall, and Bateman. Um, the wide receivers are a little bit 50-50 for me because they're not always guaranteed to be um, hit or used as they should in year one. Um, and, and this number of 11 could drop even further depending on landing spots, such as a QB going to the Falcons. But I think it's a great question to consider. Like you said, Rich, it's, it's one of those where you get to this point and then anybody you take after that point, you can't really bank on them to contribute for your team. So that's where you need to be thinking if you're in contention potentially to be trading away these late first round picks to get veterans that are going to help you more, especially if you're the 111, 112 type and you're a contender. Getting someone like a, a Mike Evans or a Juju Smith-Schuster is going to give you a better chance at repeating winning that, that championship or getting deep in the playoffs again rather than somebody like um, a Devontae Smith or a Rashad Bateman. So I think it's a great question. It's something that Dynasty players really need to consider where they draw the line. Um, I know you shared a poll last week asking about 2021 picks and how you'd value them with 2022 and 2023 picks. So um, what, what, what's your point of, of uh, no return as such in, in rookie drafts? I think... I'm probably expecting usable assets probably a little bit more than you. I'd I'd sit probably around the 14, 15 player range. Um, but I'm probably valuing um, some of those assets as I'm not expecting them to, to kind of be used week one, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do think that as a whole everybody is overvaluing rookie picks this year. I think that what we really need to understand is that last year is a complete freak outlier in terms of rookie production, but also quality. You know, we normally talk about it's, I think Pete Howard's done a lot of studies on this, but in terms of hit rates, we're talking it's three or four running backs a class, three or four wide receivers a class, and usually one tight end and maybe two quarterbacks. Yeah. That's pretty much what what you're expecting out of any rookie class. And we're already looking at quarterbacks, potentially three and a half running backs. So we, we're like eight mm-hmm. or nine wide receivers. Again, I mean, Lamb, Justin Jefferson, T Higgins. That's before you get into Claypool, Judy, Mims, people like that. And then yeah, tight ends a little bit different. But if you're looking at this class and expecting to get 15, 16, 17, you know, starters for your fantasy team from this rookie draft I think you're you're kind of a little bit deluded yeah you just look at the the back of the second last year you've got guys like Claypool Antonio Gibson sometimes Brandon Ayuk going there and then you look this year um we, we did a, a recent rookie mock um, this weekend with um, Dave Wright and I think the last two picks were Kylan Hill and Alan Ra St. Brown at the back of the second and you compare them to the guys you just mentioned then it's a massive uh, difference in, in, in quality. Yeah, absolutely. One one player you did mention that I'm intrigued to kind of pick your brains at is Trey Lance. So at the moment, Trey Lance, according to DLF ADP, so he's the, the 105 in rookie drafts. You mentioned there that you're not expecting him to start year one. I mean, obviously, a lot of this is dependent on what happens on Thursday, where he ends yeah. up. But if he does end up in a you know, say, for example, in Atlanta or somewhere like that, even in San Francisco, if they're going to keep Jimmy G. Do you think that will drop his value if he's not going to start week one? It's a really 
a really interesting question, Rich. I think let, let's say let's say you're sliding in your drafts and you get into sort of you're a contending team, let's say, you know, the middle to late first and you're still on your boards and your rookie drafts. Rather than take him, I'd be more tempted to trade to a rebuilding team. I think he's he's the perfect quarterback for a rebuilding team that's not going to um, challenge for a couple of seasons. I think inevitably, if he does get a landing spot where he's sat behind a Matt Ryan for a year or somewhere else, you will see it. You, you have to think his value has got to slide because you've got the opportunity cost of holding him for a year, whereas a guy like Zach Wilson, who's he's not as good as him, I personally wouldn't take Zach Wilson over Trey Lance, but some managers will because they know that Zach Wilson is going to start week one and, and, and manage to become impatient. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because last year we saw Justin Herbert, who wasn't expected to start year one, he was still a first round pick. Whereas Jordan Love, who again was probably expected to start maybe year, year two, year three, and, and he was going in like the third round of rookie drafts. And I just wonder, you know, if he, Trey Lance does end up in Atlanta. We've obviously got that horrific Matt Ryan cap hit where he's got dead cap hits of, I think it's 60 million this year and 40 million next year. So he's not going anywhere for two years. So are you going to spend the first round pick on a quarterback that could potentially sit for two years? You know, as much as I love Trey Lance and I think he's got absolutely the highest ceiling of any player in this draft. And I think he could be incredible both in the NFL, more particularly for fantasy. I don't know if I can spend a first round pick on someone that's going to do nothing for me for two years. Agreed, yeah. So I'm going to say this 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 next sort of section, I, I teed it up as sort of a, a lightning round, but I don't think it's going to be a lightning round because I'm intrigued to sort of pick your brains and sort of talk about it. So we'll call it a, I don't know, what's slower than lightning? Thunder? Tortoise round? Something like that. Um, so, and it's now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Fantastic. Um, so... The the best player at cost in this entire draft. Where where are you at here then, Kev? Yeah, I think we'll bump heads on this one, Rich. Um, <laughs> I know I, I'm above consensus on this guy, and you're below consensus. He, it's actually my rookie wide receiver free, Tevis Marshall. Um, yeah, he's currently a consensus rookie wide receiver six with an ADP of pick sixteen, which is um, two hundred four according to DLF. I think that's a big value. I think he should be a first rounder in rookie drafts. I think. Very talented guy was a five-star recruit coming out of high school um, and he declined offers from great programs like Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma uh, in favour of LSU. Um, He's part of one of the greatest wide receiver calls of all time uh, in college football at LSU alongside current Dynasty top 10 wide receivers Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, who's also a rookie. Um, He was a wide receiver free on this offence in 2019, but what we've got to bear in mind is that no other player in the NFL has this level of competition, even now or in college. Um, in, in his seven games this season, just gone before opting out, he produced 48 catches for 731 yards and 10 touchdowns in basically half a season. Um, and there's a lot of talk about the five-star freshman recruit, Keishon Boutte, out, outperforming Marshall. But to give context, when they're on the field together, uh, Marshall had 30 more catches, 523 more yards and nine more touchdowns. Of course, Boutte is an amazing prospect. He's the consensus Devi wide receiver one in, in some uh, some people's eyes. Uh, but he did a lot of his damage after uh, Marshall opted out. So um, I guess looking looking at Marshall's profile, he's a, a top 20 athletic profile within uh, all time. 92nd percentile college dominator rating, 86th percentile breakout age. Um, his film grades up in the air, though, still. Um, he was ranked the sixth best wide receiver by NFL.com's legendary Lance line, which is right around his consensus ADP at wide receiver six. But I really do believe him. He's, he's still 20 years old. He's one of the youngest guys in the class. He's got the talent. His ceiling's massive. I think the best is yet to come. But the only pause I have got is I'm now convinced he's going to land on the Ravens, which if he does you've got to drop them in your ranks. I think it's a, a terrible place for volume to be a success. I think if he does avoid that landmine, though, you need to get on the terrace. Um, I'm sure 
you'll now give the audience a balanced argument of <laughs> why they shouldn't go after Marshall or yeah. that he's the best player at cost. First of all, I just want to say this isn't a debut podcast, but Keichon Butte is, is I'm literally in love. He is incredible. I've 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 got two two shares in my in my three Devi leagues. Um, you know, that that one week, I think it was the week after Terrace stepped away and, and said he was gonna opt out. He had two hundred and something yards yeah. and three touchdowns, and it was just absolutely insane. Um look, I've 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 talked about Terrace at, at length. I think that for me, I think from a film perspective, I think he, he showed elements of being quite lazy and I have real concerns about someone that's going to come into the NFL with that kind of attitude. I think he's, let's be honest, a physical freak and he has been since he was at high school. I don't think he's ever had to kind of work hard and, and I, I always try to avoid those kind of guys going into the NFL because I think as soon as you have that sort of character egg flag, unless you are, you know, Randy Moss level athlete, which I don't think Terrace Marshall is, I don't think he's going to, I think, sorry, he is going to butt heads when it comes to next level. There's obviously these, you know, medical concerns over the last couple of weeks with his knee. Um, apparently yeah, that's, that's you know, so, some of the same stuff people are talking about sort of Jadavian Clowney with that sort of, never said that word, degenerative <laughs> knee condition, which might never get better. And I think that, Look, yes, this year, or sorry, this year just gone, he was very good in seven games. But he was, his only competition was a, you know, a true freshman. Freshman, yeah. If if you're a five-star recruit as a junior that's, you know, got no competition and you're still not putting up, yes, decent stats, yes, very good stats, but not mind-blowing stats. I, I'd still question it and I don't like the fact that people discount the fact that he didn't produce because he had Jamar Chase and Jefferson and I think that you know that for me is not enough to discount and, and moving up I have I have crept him up you know he's now my wide receiver seven I'm still a little bit lower than consensus um, I think with draft capital I'm expecting to probably end up having to move him above to Atwell because I think that Marshall's probably going to be a fringe first, second rounder, and I'm I'm not convinced he's well going to get drafted in the first four rounds. But um, I just think, from a film and an analytics perspective, for me, it's not there. But I do get, you know, he is one of well, he's he's really the true, you know, big bodied X receiver yeah. in this offense in this draft outside of Jamar Chase. Yeah, I think he's got one of the high ceilings in the class, but. You, you you are right as well. I think he is a risky, a potential risky guy with the the injury concerns. Um, so if you can get him in round two, I think that's 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 ideal. I, I think you probably can get him in round two as well. It's probably just me that's taking him in round one of uh, rookie drafts. Well, I look forward to all the leagues we're in together because every time he gets drafted ahead of me, I said, "Yeah, please with that, move on." <laughs> um, but talking about being pleased when somebody else drafts. A player who's a player that the consensus, the league, the community are, are too high on at the moment. Yeah, I think we'll be friends on this one, Rich. I've gone for uh, Jalen Waddle, who's currently the. If we're talking about startups as a whole, he's going as a wide receiver thirty-three, which I don't think it's. I think that's that's terrible. Actually, wide receiver thirty-three. It's it's not as bad in rookie drafts where he's going at pick thirteen, the two hundred one. Um, I still think it should be a little bit lower. But that's not as bad as wide receiver 33. Just to give a bit of context around that, um, ADP's got the public taking Waddle over veterans like LaVisca Chenault, Tyler Boyd, Adam Phelan, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks, Curtis Samuel. Um, I mean, it's just wild that you can take a rookie that's 5'9 and £180 with 106 total college receptions over veterans of this calibre. So, um are we in agreement on this one, Rich? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's well known. I just don't get it with Jalen Waddle. I think from a film perspective, if you put on his highlights, yep, they they look fantastic. And yes, he's a you know really fast, really agile, and he can stretch the field, you know, both east, west, and north, south. But I think from a production profile and from a you know a consistency on film, it, I just don't see it. And I think that. I'm I'm going to be so delighted in every single one of my leagues when he goes in the first round. I'm going to be delighted 
every time he, he gets taken because for me I I wouldn't take him until probably the mid to back end of the second. Um, yeah. And at, at, to be honest, at that point, I'm normally drafting running backs anyway. So wherever wherever he goes, I'm, I'm probably going to end up with zero shares. Do you ever consider the like fading players because of the the college they're at, for example? We've had recent guys like Ruggs and Judy that struggled as rookies. I know that the the community is really high on Judy still. I think that he's going to turn it around. But does it ever? Do you ever get thinking about players coming out of college at certain places that have been busts in the NFL or that have not performed? Thinking maybe it's a college scheme that's making them look better than they are. I mean, you think think about Alabama. Maybe that Damien Harris didn't do much. Josh Jacobs has performed, but. I think that's more based on volume than talent. Would that have give you concerns over Najee Harris, for example? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I try not to. Um, I, tr- I try to treat each player on you know a level playing field. I think that you can can get yourself you know in a sticky situation like we talk about Ohio State quarterbacks, and is that potentially one of the reasons why Justin Fields is suddenly plummeting down Maybe. NFL boards and, and that kind of thing? And I think that for me. If it's a scheme-specific reason, you know, you think of someone like a, a Baylor in the you know sort of ten years ago, where it was a very specific scheme, and, and outside of a couple of players, their receivers are putting up ridiculous stats and actually didn't transition well to the NFL. Um, then yes, I'd get that. But if you're looking at Alabama, I think that I, I'm not discounting it. Um, I'm not looking at it and saying I won't touch any of their wide receivers. To be honest. Probably been I was much lower than consensus on rugs. I'm a, probably a little bit lower than consensus on Devonta Smith, and I'm a lot lower than consensus on Jalen Waddle. But I was I had Jerry Judy as my wide receiver too in in the class last year. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess in in a long way of saying no, I try not to avoid specific um, you know teams and and specific franchise um, college programs, but. I, I can see why people sometimes make that argument. So moving on to sort of the, I guess this is one that I'm a little bit intrigued to hear your thoughts on. So this was, I sort of threw it out as a slightly different question. So it's the player that is most reliant on draft from a fancy perspective. I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts here. Yeah, I've, I've actually gone for Kadarius Tony on this one. Um I mean, analytically, he's not a great prospect looking at the, the numbers. Uh, 30th percentile dominator rating, 24th percentile breakout age. Um, I think the area of Tony's profile that lift him up uh, are the film grades and the expected draft capital. Um, I've got him rookie wide receiver nine. Uh, I do think there's a strong chance he does actually go round one in the NFL draft, which is why he's projected so high. Um, if he doesn't get that draft cap, I can see him dropping into that wide receiver 15 to 20 range. Um, I do think he is athletically gifted, but at 5'11", 193 pounds, I need to see uh, earlier production rather than being a one-year wonder as a senior, especially in an offence with favourable matchups, part of that offence with uh, the unicorn tight end Calpits. So, yeah, Kadarius Tone is a worry for me. I think it, there is a really good chance he gets round on draft capital, but I'm going to try and stay away from him if possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been having this conversation with Ash, Ash of the, the college podcast. He's he's a big Tony fan and he's Ooh. pushing every every mock we do, he's pushing him in the, the first round of the NFL draft and thinks he's going to be in that sort of 25 to 32 range. I just don't see it, to be honest. I see a guy that couldn't produce until he was older than everybody. You know, he was a a late breakout, he basically did nothing for three years and then suddenly blew up and, you know, it, when that offence was humming as a, as a senior, that always scares me. When you can't do anything, you know, we always talk about age-adjusted production. When you can't do anything when you're the same age as the guys you're going up against and then suddenly blow up in your senior year, I'm always a little bit scared. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm easily avoiding Kadarius Tony If he is a first-round, um, you know, NFL pick, then he'll probably move up a little bit. He's currently more wide receiver 15. Um, I, I do rely on draft capital quite heavily, um, but I can't see him getting any higher than 10 for me, potentially. Yeah, I think I'd have him over guys currently like 
uh, Tylan Wallace, um, I'm on Ras St. Brown just because I think he's going to get a lot better draft capital than those. But yeah, if he slides into round two and three, he's just going to be sliding down uh, my, my rookie rankings. I think, what, what, what's your thoughts on this with Tony? I, I seem to see that he's high, higher ranked by people that are film grinders rather than with an analytics base. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I I completely get it because, you know, it's similar to what we're talking about with Jalen Waddle, isn't it? Is that yeah. from a analytical base, there's nothing there to like. If someone's done nothing for three first three years of their college career, you know, that you can look at any analytical model for a wide receiver and at some point it will be based around age-adjusted production and he's not got it. And then suddenly you can stick on the tape and say, actually, he, he does look quite good. Yes, he's fast. Yeah. But I, I, for me, you know, I, I try and sit somewhere in between, probably lean slightly more towards the analytical side. And I, I just don't see it from a film perspective. I think that he's fast, but I think at the NFL, everybody's fast. And I, I just don't think he's going to sit with it, being honest. And then the the flip side of, of the draft capital debate. So which player is most reliant on landing spots? Yeah, this one hurts because I really like this guy. Um, he's my wide receiver seven, but I mean, it's really close between my wide receiver four and wide receiver seven. Uh, but the guy I'm picking that's most reliant on landing spot is Rondale Moore. Um, I, I mean, he's got some outstanding aspects to his college profile. He ran a 4 3 2 his pro day, showing he's rapid. Um, he's got outstanding agility and quickness. He's got that 99th percentile breakout age. He had one of the most prolific freshman seasons in college history. Um, and he's also got an above average dominator rating during his time at Purdue. Um, the massive downside, no pun intended, is his size. Um, he's a tiny man at five foot seven, 181 pounds. Obviously, he plays above that weight. Um, he's, he's a very strong guy, but we haven't, we haven't seen many guys look like him, if, if at all, before in the NFL, which makes him a really risky proposition, I think. Um, for someone that has got such a clean analytical profile apart from his size the first percentile college yards per reception is worrying averaging 9.4 yards per reception over his college career it just shows that he was used in an interesting way as a bit of a gadget player sometimes uh, near the line of scrimmage um, a low average depth of target type receiver so I think for that reason the size and the usage I think is is very dependent on landing on the the, in the right spot, the right scheme, a smart coach that's going to make the most visibility. Um, what sort of team do you think could be a, a nice fit to maximise Rondale? Would it be someone like an Andy Reid or a different team? I, I always struggle with, with this answer when it comes to this type of receiver because I think that, to be honest, any, any you could sit here and say, yeah, I want him to be with a great offensive mind. You know, I want him to go and be... In, in LA with Sean McVeigh or something like that. But actually, yeah. I feel like those kind of guys have a system, have a scheme, and aren't going to build it around one guy. Yeah. And that's what Rondell Moore essentially is reliant on. I think that this is a guy that, as you said, had, had an incredible freshman year. But that was because it was purely volume based. He had of if you're taking DLF, their top twenty-seven wide receivers as they have them ranked, he had the highest reception of the game of his wow. best season. So that that rookie season. And that's basically driven all of that production in that rookie year was as you said, he had a ridiculously low average depth of target. And it was just he, they were just getting the ball in his hands. And I think that for him to be a success at the NFL level, that's basically what, what they're going to need is you're going to need to have yeah. an offensive coordinator say, we're building our offense around getting Rondell more the ball. And I think that he is such an incredible player and such an incredible athlete that I'm very excited if an offense does that, he could be an absolute you know, beast for fantasy purposes. He's, oh, he's, he's currently my wide receiver four. But wow, that's it, nice. But he is, as you said, so reliant. I think you really hit the nail on the head here. He's so reliant on where he's going to go 
building the offense around him. If, if a team's going to line him up and say, right, you are a slot receiver, you're going to run the full route tree, we're going to target you four to six times a game, and we just expect you to be a traditional slot receiver. Yeah, then he's, he's not going to produce. He's, he's not going to do anything from a fantasy. Because I don't think he's, whilst he, he's a very good route runner, I don't think he can be used as a traditional receiver. The great thing as well, if you're a Rondale fan, is that his value seems to be all over the place in terms of uh, different people have, have pretty pretty different views. Like you said, you're a wide receiver four. Um, I saw it get mentioned that he went in the late second in a rookie draft of one of my friends today. So if you're, if you're high on him, um, you can probably sit tight and, and get him. Probably You'll probably be higher on him than... Um, than consensus if you do like yeah and I, I do think it's going to be interesting because I thought he could potentially sneak in sort of back end of the first round maybe early second someone like a, a Jacksonville or or maybe even a New York Jets someone in that early second round that could go and say right he's, he's a usable piece that we're going to move around all over the place but it seems over the last couple of weeks you know I saw Dan- Daniel Jeremiah's tweeting out about he had a more ranked than his top five wide receivers and he'd completely forgotten about the other more being Rondell. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this means that the NFL is a lot lower on Rondell more than, than we think. And yeah. if, if he starts, you know, drifting down to that second or third round, um, maybe even beyond that, then yeah, I'll be seriously concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit very worrying. Uh, so you have him higher than Elijah Moore? I do. I've got him in the same tier at the moment. I'll be yeah. on it. I'm, I'm, very close to tipping Elijah Moore over. I think that once once I had draft capital in, I think Elijah Moore would yeah. definitely go above Rondell Moore. But I'm just so excited by that freshman year. Like as you said, it is essentially one of the best freshman years we've ever seen in terms of age adjustment. Rondell Moore's got it. But again, I I did do a bit of work around sort of a an idea of a double breakout age, which is basically trying yeah. to eliminate one hit wonders and. Rondell Moore was was basically that, and he was kind of the question mark around players players that had an age eighteen or nineteen breakout and then didn't have a second breakout before the age of twenty. Basically, didn't go on and, and hit in the NFL, and and Rondell Moore is one of those that had an age eighteen breakout, didn't have that second season of success, and it, it does leave that question mark for me at the moment. Yeah, the Mars are very interesting. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I'm very excited to uh, to see them on Thursday and where they do end up. So now's now's really this is this isn't a podcast now, Kev. This is just for me to pick your brains <laughs> for all the leagues that we're in together so that I can know where where you're going for your sleepers. So we're gonna go through and uh, and get your sleeper at each position. So starting at the uh, the number one spot quarterback. We've yeah. obviously got the the kind of the top five, and then I think there's probably another five that are, you know, in that sort of next bracket after that, which is the one that you've got your eye on. Yeah, my sleeper QB, I've gone for Trevor Lawrence. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, um, I've uh, I've gone for Kellen Mond. Um, he's my clear QB six behind the popular big five. We all know. So in terms of rookie rank, I'm right about consensus. However. He's actually pretty close to my QB5, Matt Jones, depending on if he gets maybe second-round draft capital. He could be really close. Um, Kellen Mond, let's, let's see, he's, he's athletic. He's had that early production at Texas A&M, and he's got that Konami code rush upside that we love for fantasy. Um, he is going at the back of round three in rookie mocks. Um, I think he should be earlier than that, probably early round three. Um, I don't think he's as strong of a prospect as a guy last year, Jalen Hurts, but if he's a second-round prospect like Jalen, he's going to have a chance to start at some point in the future, which means you're going to get more than the third-round pick that you paid for him at this point sometime in the near future. So, Kellen Mond's my sleeper. Yeah, and I think that, to be honest, I guess take taking behind the curtain a little bit of, of my mind when it comes to rookie draft, in Superflex formats, I think any one of that next five um, kind of quarterbacks that we're talking about so whether that be Jamie Newman Helen Mons Carl Trask Davis Mills any of those in that third or fourth round are, are probably the best tickets you can take because if they do hit if they do win a starting job if there's an injury or something like that 
then their value skyrockets. And I don't think outside of maybe the running back position, which you're probably less likely to find a, a diamond in the rough that's going to come in and, and be a stud. I think you might as well take a lottery ticket on one of these quarterbacks. I think you know, we, we've heard all of them, it seems like, mentioned as potentially the guy that's going to be taken at the back end of the first round. And we've talked about you know, there's loads of teams with aging quarterbacks, whether it's Tampa Bay or Pittsburgh, that yeah. could be interested in taking a quarterback there. Um, so I think that, yeah, if, as you said, if in the third round, in the fourth round, maybe even in the fifth round in, in Superflex formats, if you're going to take a punt, why not take a punt on these quarterbacks? Because, you know, you, you're not really wasting any any capital. You're not really wasting anything. Yeah. But if they do hit, then you could potentially get a first round pick back as soon as that quarterback becomes a starting quarterback. And I think as well, what you've got to think is you're a rebuilding team. Let's say you finish last in your league and you've got the 101. Um you're likely going to have the 301 as well in a rebuild. So 301, it's fine to take a shot on Kellermond because you can you can afford to wait a little bit in a rebuild and give him a chance to hit that lineup before moving him on for something <laughs> a lot better than the 301. Yeah, and I think that you know we we say this every year. Oh, there's there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, but the truth is is that there's going to be eight to ten injuries. There's going to be, yeah. you know, your Case Keenan starting a couple of weeks. If if Kellen Mon goes and he's the backup, wherever he goes, it, it takes one injury and he's suddenly a, one of those 32 starting quarterbacks. And depending on your league format, that could suddenly be very valuable. Um, so running back position. So who's who's your, your deep sleeper here? Yeah, I'm just going to give a quick mention first to Kenny Gamewell. Um, I think he's a fantastic prospect. He kept Antonio Gibson off the field in 2019. He's... He's not got the bell cow size that you want, but he is explosive. Um, and if he got similar draft capital to one of the top three running backs, I think there's potential that he can jump them and be as high as running back two in my in my rankings. That, that's pretty spicy, I know. But if he's in round two and John T. Williams in round two, I don't think it's crazy to pick pick Gamewell over Williams. Um, not saying that would, but I think it's something you've got to consider depending on what you're looking for from your from your running backs, but um, Kenny it. Gamewell's he's, he's not my sleeper. Um. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. Any any mention of Kenny Gamewell, I think yeah. that the guy's fantastic, and I think that you know what what is underrated when it comes to running backs in rookie drafts and and kind of you know we we look at them as as running backs, but he's for me head and shoulders above every other running back in the draft in terms of his receiving ability. I know Probably. your co-host Matt won't like me saying that about Michael Carter, but um, I think Kenny Gamewell's the only wide, uh, the only running back that I'm comfortable lining up from day one in, in the slot out wide and, and running routes. I think that that ability makes him so much more valuable from the fantasy aspect. He's, he's my running back four and certainly if he gets, yeah. you know, decent draft capital, if, if he has a team fall in love with them early, I could easily see him creeping up into that 10 top three. I don't know if I'm 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 ready to go there yet. I think I'll probably stay at four, but it would be interesting. It would indeed. I think um you're you're a smart guy obviously Rich having Kenny Kenny G as your back four but uh, sleeper running back um I'm not going to talk about an overrated guy like Michael Carter as Matt did. Um I I'll go a little bit deeper on this one I'm going for Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he's an older guy at 23. Um, he'll be a 23-year-old rookie, sorry, but he's the best athletic running back in the class. Uh, four, 4.35 wheels and explosiveness for days. Um, he only he only had 49 catches in college. However, this was on 57 targets, which is a fantastic 86% catch rate. Um, he also averaged over 12 yards per catch, showing the game-breaking speed I mentioned just a little bit earlier. And He's currently going as running back 14 in the middle of the fourth round in rookie drafts. Um, personally, I think he needs to be considered a round earlier, the middle of the third. Uh, and like I said, if you're, if you're taking darts in round three and beyond, it's better to take a shot on somebody that's an athlete that's got potential in the past game than um, a two-down plodder. So I just want to know if you are an Elijah Mitchell fan, Rich. He's, he, I can't really make up my mind, if I'm being honest. Um there's elements I like of him. Um, I think, as you said, he's a fantastic athlete. You know, he's he's got the second highest weight adjusted score in, in the draft at running back position. 
but he he never had more than a 45% opportunity share in that offense and I just think that it, it never sits great with me that a guy that he didn't have a you know a fantastic running mate and I think that he can't carve out a 60 70 80% role in college what makes me think he can do it in the NFL he was also only a two-star recruit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I can't really make up my mind if I'm being honest. He's one, I think I said it on last week's pod, he's one that I'm intrigued to see what the NFL think because I think that they're probably going to tell me what to think a lot more than I can because <laughs> I can't make up my mind on his profile. Um, so draft capital will, will probably answer a lot for me. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a, a, a bell cow player or a majority backfield player is going to be a, someone that's a role player which caps him as a potential flex guy at the next level and like I said he, he didn't really have a full full workload at the raging Cajuns so um, I mean that says it all that he was playing for the raging Cajuns of uh, Louisiana Lafayette I believe yeah, exactly that exactly that so sleeper wide receiver yeah it's, it's an interesting one this Rich um I think this rookie wide receiver class is actually pretty similar to the NFL wide receiver rankings in the sense that after the top six or seven, eight players, the next 15 to 20 are pretty similar in terms of value. I think there's several rookie wide receivers that could be considered a sleeper with consensus all over the place, but I've gone for Nico Collins. Uh, there's quite a bit in his profile to get you worried. First of all, he's coming out as a senior um, he's not played since 2019 after opting out, and his pro comparison on NFL.com is Nikhil Harry. But there are positives. I do promise he is my sleeper. I'm not just trashing him. Um, he's a big, fast dude, 6'4", 215, an exceptional deep threat with huge catch radius and early breakout. Um, and going back to NFL.com's film grades, he's actually higher graded than guys like Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore. Um, he didn't do a ton in college, but I do think he's a raw prospect. He showed it early. He's got a huge ceiling. Uh, he's an intriguing guy in round three or four of rookie drafts, I think. You want an upside, and Nico Collins has got that for me. Um, and I'll also give a, an honourable mention to um, a guy called Simi Fioko. Uh, again, a raw prospect with a high ceiling. He's in the mould of uh, an Alshon Jeffrey, Kenny Galladay type player. Uh, another dart throw he can take in the later rounds of your rookie drafts. I find it interesting. I've, I've been playing with a lot of numbers um, today. I've been updating models and things. And uh, one, of, one of the number one stats that I use in any model is uh, best yards per team pass attempt. And uh, Nico Collins and Semi Fairku uh, are probably two of the lowest in, in that one stat. So I do find it funny that they're probably going to be two receivers that I'm a lot lower than consensus on because of that. Yeah. Um, and, and they are tabling them as as fantastic potential sleepers. You don't have to worry about them, Rich. I'll just have them. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite happy you haven't them. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to have any shares of either, if I'm being honest. Um, so the, 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 the dream final position, you know, the, the big one that everybody's expecting massive breakouts from, tight ends where where are you going here yeah I mean I don't get as excited as some about tight end but um my sleeper tight end is Tony's cousin Kenny Aboa um I hope my co-host Ali likes that one I know you mentioned it on your show <laughs> a bit back um so yeah Kenny Aboa is probably not a sleeper as such a lot of people have him as tight end for but I'm a big fan um essentially for tight end you're looking for athleticism an opportunity uh, now he didn't do any athletic testing, but based on his 98th percentile yards per reception, you'd, you can make an astute guess that he's an explosive guy that can get down the field. Um, he will need a strong landing spot to break out with that opportunity. Uh, but remember, tight end is a slow burner, so even if he does get a bad landing spot, he shouldn't be totally put off by that. Um, the situations change. Um, I really like his upside. Although I'm not a huge fan of rostering tight ends that can't contribute straight away, He's someone that you can have on your taxi squad or on, on deeper rosters. So um, I do like him as a sleeper, but I won't have a ton of him unless it's a, a deep league or there is a taxi squad. I, I just feel that for your tight end three, 
you still want someone that's potentially usable in some weeks in case you get an injury, etc. So, um, but but yeah, I do like him. Tight end four is my sleeper. It's hard to, it's hard to give sleeper at tight end, I think, because <laughs> yeah, it's those it's, like easiest positions that yeah, sort of sits you up slightly. Um, <laughs> You're not as I am, are you? <laughs> no, not really. Um, I think for me, this, I think, and I know a lot of people are talking about this draft class as potentially, you know, three or four potential starters at the, the next level at tight end. To me, this draft class at tight end is literally Cole Pitts and, and no one else. I don't want anyone else. I think that for me, Brevin Jordan and, and Pat Brymuth are, are being overdrafted. Um, I think Hunter Long is is interesting to me. Um, and I think that Kenny Yuboa is... He is what he is. I think I'm not going to be wasting roster spots on someone like that. I'd rather, you know, pay up at tight end and, and miss out on the breakout because even if, you know, he, he does break out and, and becomes a usable tight end, he, he's not worth anything, is he? I'd, if if I'm yeah. desperate at tight end, I'm happy to go and spend, a you know, a second round pick on a Logan Thomas or a... Um, Robert Todgen or someone like that yeah. who, who will just tide me over for a year rather than spending a third or fourth round pick Agreed <laughs> I'm interested though Mock Draftable have Kenny Yeboah as their uh, athletic comp is Hunter Henry who was obviously you know highly drafted very very usable um, tight end in the NFL so maybe maybe a little something to keep an eye on Interesting Well that concludes the pod so Thank you so much for joining us, Kev. I think it's been fantastic. It's it's nice to sort of have a run through of things ahead of, of Thursday and, and hopefully all of our rankings and rookie models don't get drawn up too much when uh, the NFL completely disagrees everything we think. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting time. It's, um, it's the most fun time of the year, but like you said, it's uh, a lot of changing models over the next week or so to... Make sure you <laughs> you've got the right players in the right spots. But I think one of the, the the other things to mention about the draft is not to be changing too much. I think draft capital as an input is is definitely something that should take priority. But I think landing spots they're not as massive for some positions. I think running back you you do need a pretty decent system to excel. But like wide receiver, if you did end up in a a slightly worse landing spot than expected. It can be overcome. Just look at guys like AJ Brown. Um, he, he did everyone were writing him off when he went to Tennessee and he, he did all right. Um Chase Claypool people thought he was gonna be wide receiver for tight end, maybe. I thought he might be tight end. <laughs> but um but yeah, just I think we've we've changing your rankings, draft capital, take into account but landing spot, take it into account but not as much as as you should. Absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So before uh, you know, you leave, Kev, hopefully everybody listening knows where to find you. But uh, if you could just remind us, where, where can we find you? Yeah, so I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. Uh, I'm the host of the Fantasy Squadcard. Um, it's a weekly Dynasty show. We, we live stream every other Tuesday and Sunday, and that's at Fantasy Wildcard. Uh, we've also got our charity streamer form, which is... Uh, Less than four weeks away, Saturday, May the 22nd, we're raising funds for Mind Charity Supporting Mental Health and delighted that you're going to be part of the opening ceremony, Rich. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> please got, do. Got a lot of pressure kicking it off, um, <laughs> but very much looking forward to it. So yeah, just uh, please check out the, the streamathon and, and donate to this fantastic cause. And then just to wrap it up, thank you for having me on, Rich. It's been a lot of fun. I've had a great time. I've had a lovely evening. It's it's just been like chatting to your mate down at the pub now that we can go to the pub again. Um, it's it's not felt like a show. It's just felt like having a chat with your mate. So um, thanks for having me on and uh, can't wait for the NFL draft. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And, and I look forward to your Eagles destroying the hopes of uh, another fancy wide receiver. But uh, yeah, thank you very much. And, and guys, we will be back again next week with a post-draft Rises and Fallers podcast. Uh, got a very exciting guest lined up for that, and uh, we will see you again next week.
HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis, people who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 